You're listening to the Co-Creator Network. When you change the way you look at things, the things you look at change. Good afternoon. Welcome to Why Shamanism Now, a practical path to authenticity with your host, Christina Pratt, director of the Last Mask Center for Shamanic Healing. She's talking about how shamanic skills can bring us to physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual well-being, especially when nothing else can. Now, here's your host, Christina Pratt. Welcome, everyone, to Why Shamanism Now. This is your host, Christina Pratt, and I'd like to begin here today by calling out to the helping spirits to be with us. So I call out first to your ancestors and to mine. I call out to all of those people who lived here, who lived well, who died well, who walked the earth and met the challenges of their time in ways that brought their own unique gifts forward. And I call out to these ancestors to be with us here today that we might be supported in doing the same. That, w- that these ancestors would help us, the living, those who are meant to be the medicine our world needs today. I ask these ancestors help us to find that medicine within ourselves and to step up into what our time is calling from us. And I ask these ancestors to be not only the firm hand at our back, but perhaps a bit of a shove that we might step forward in a way that is fuller is more complete, that is more loving, and that it has greater courage and belief that we are here to do something that must be done to prepare the way for those who are coming. We ask these ancestors who understood their responsibility when they were the living to step into our lives in a way that helps us to more fully realize our own. And as these ancestors gather around us, we call out to those non-human ancestors Those energies that were here long before there was ever a human and will be here long after. Those energies that live here with us every day on earth. Those ancient, ancient ancestors. Those who are the great web of life. We call out to these ancestors manifest here in form with us to help us to remember that we are part of something larger than ourselves. That we are part of a great web of life. And that though we have the capacity to take the whole web down through our choices, that we also have the capacity to be here and be a blessing. We have the capacity to bring beauty to the world. And we have the capacity to make that entire web of life sing with the beauty and the possibility and the love that humanity brings, that is unique to us as humans in the world. We have that capacity as well. And we ask these ancestors, those who are manifest in so many diverse forms, to gather around as well and to support us as humans in learning how to be better humans. And as these ancestors gather around us here today, let us find ourselves wherever it is that we might be and draw ourselves from wherever into our heads and from our heads down into our hearts and from our hearts down into our bellies and let us take a moment and no matter what the day holds for you take a moment and give thanks we give gratitude to the earth for life we give gratitude to the earth for this place to walk our life's journey for all that has been on that journey that has brought us to this moment for all that is and for all that will be we give gratitude to the earth for her abundance, 
for her beauty and for her constant expression of diversity. May we wake up to recognize that that is the message. And as we embrace the beauty in that diversity, may we give thanks to the earth and take a moment in simple wonder and awe at the actual miracle of life. May we go forward in a way that we never again take life for granted. And as we send our energy down through all the layers of the earth, reaching for the very, very center of the earth, let us take a moment and anchor ourselves firm, anchor ourselves firmly there to make a choice to be grounded and to connect in to the energies of the earth. Those which draw their power through stillness, may we draw on that same power. Those who draw their power through silence, may we draw on that power. And those energies that draw their nurturing, sustaining power through darkness. And may we connect there as well and come to understand the energies that must be present in the life of a human to bring us into balance. And it is these energies, that willingness to go into silence, into meditation, into stillness, into the darkness that help us to connect more deeply to our own root of deep knowing, of deep truth, and a deep heartfelt understanding of our true humanity. And so let us draw that energy of the earth up, up through all the layers of the earth, up into our own bodies here today, that our own human selves are nourished and replenished and rejuvenated, that our wisdom is renewed, our wisdom of how to be here in form in a good way for all living things. Let us draw the energy of the earth in and fill ourselves with this awareness, with this choice to be in our body our body to be here on the earth now and to understand who we are, where we stand, what we stand for, and to build our life through our thoughts and our actions, through our words, on those things that have value and meaning to our own hearts. And let us build our sense of home, our sense of place, our sense of belonging from that which has deep heart and meaning. I mean, we do so in a way that opens our door to those who perhaps are less fortunate than ourselves, perhaps are simply different. And may we call those people into our lives that through their uniqueness, they would provoke in us more of who it is that we have each come here to be. May we embrace the whole human family at our own table. And as we expand our sense of hearth and home and belonging, may the energy of the earth help us to understand right relationship within ourself, with all the different aspects and the diverse energies within ourself. May we come into right relationship with all of our wisdom bodies and bring ourselves in a way that is more balanced and whole into the world. We call out to the energy of the earth to help us to understand how to better relate to our environment, to other living things in our environment, and to work more effectively with the invisible world. And in this way to come to understand with a deeper reality in our life, that great web of life and our place within it. 
And as we draw this energy of the earth up from our belly to our heart and our heart to our mind, let us reach up and out, rising up into the sky and whatever weather it holds for you at this time, up and out through the atmosphere and into the cosmos, reaching all the way for the highest power of the universe by whatever way you name that energy or understand it or conceive of it. Connect with these radiant powers from above and call these energies into yourself, into your day, drawing down those energies that bring in blessing and bring in protection. And may we draw these energies into ourself that allows us to feel the power of commitment and devotion. May we feel the benevolence of the universe in this way as we draw it into our head and our heart and our belly. May we receive inspiration and illumination. May we see that lighthouse in the storms of our life. May we call this energy in that we are guided when we feel lost. And may we call this energy in that ultimately we can feel the beneficence of this great universe. May we draw these energies into ourselves, send them through our bodies and down to the center of the earth. And in this way, connect these two great energies, these legendary lovers spoken in so many myths, so many stories of so many peoples around this whole planet, earth and sky. And may the big love between these two energies awaken the true spirit in our heart. May we not be alive through agitation and irritation and hot, fiery passions that are driving our mind, but may we settle into the heart and let our heart truly open in that big love. May the crucible of transformation hold well the fiery passions of our own belly and may it be forged there in the heart with the crystal clarity of the mind. May these two come together, each unique, each essential, yet each changing the other until they give birth to the third and most sacred thing that you carry in your entire life, which is some inkling, some sense, some knowing, some wonder about why it is that you are here. And may you find courage in that very same heart to do something in this day, large or small, to bring your gifts into manifestation in the world. And for all of the spirit help that we all have, whether we believe in it or not, I give great thanks. What needs to be, may what needs to be said be said here today, and what needs to be heard be heard, and may these proceedings go forward in a way that is good for all living things. So I'd also like to thank those of you who are able to donate financially to Why Shamanism Now. If you're listening for the first time, Why Shamanism Now is listener supported and has been for the last four years. Um, and I'm deeply grateful for those who are able to donate financially. There are many ways to support this show. So if this show is meaningful to you in any way, I ask you to do something large or small to support the growth of the show. And so I give great gratitude to Maria and Joel Cliff, Kathy, Daniel, Cynthia, and Giles, and all of you who have been able to donate financially to Why Shamanism Now. You can go to whyshamanismnow.com. Those of you that download through iTunes sometimes don't know that exists. Why Shamanism Now has its own website. It houses all the archives, and it gives you an option to click a support button and donate any amount in any currency, and we are grateful for all of it, for it all helps us to actually pay the bills that keep the show 
and the archives out there and available to anyone in the world who can get onto the internet. And uh, for this assistance, I am deeply grateful, and I'm grateful for those of you that talk about the show, that spread the ideas in the show, that bring this into your own shamanic work, bring this into your life, and allow yourself to be changed. I uh, appreciate those of you that ask questions and all the many things that we together are doing to keep the show a resource for people who are endeavored in the practical application of shamanism in their everyday contemporary lives. So we are live here today, and if you have a question about today's topic, which is warriorship, the shadow, and shamanism, you are welcome to call in at 512-772-1938, or you can Skype in from the co-creatornetwork.com site, or as always, you can email me at christina at lastmaskcenter.org, and I'd be happy to answer your questions. All right, so today, warriorship, shadow, and shamanism. So this is part four of um, a four-part four part series, obviously, of me going to the primary archetypes in the cycle of transformation teachings, um, which are teachings of how to live shamanically in our contemporary time. And uh, we've already spoken to the leader, we've spoken to the visionary, and we've spoken to the healer and gotten guidance about this particularly challenging time, not just in the United States, although it's particularly um, gruesome here, but in the world, because there is a great dearth of good leadership happening in the world right now. Okay, so anyway, so we talked to the leader and the visionary and the healer, and so today we, we complete the circle by talking to the warrior and considering the warrior's message about what it is that our time is asking of us. And there are actually some really beautiful teachers in this time, and one of my favorites actually is Pema Chodron, who is a Buddhist nun and an extremely um, valuable translation or bridge between Buddhist teachings and its application in the Western world and to be able to do that without losing the actual power of the teachings. Um, and so Pema Chodron says the future is completely open and we are writing it moment to moment. And so the warrior asks, what have you written into the future with your actions today, with your words today? What have you written into the future with the words you have posted on social media? We are writing the future moment to moment with our thoughts, our words, and our actions. This, this idea that Pema is sharing is consistent with most shamanic teachings around the globe. So what future are you creating with your thoughts, with your words, and with your actions? Many people interpret this idea to be those ones, those, those thoughts and words and actions that I'm using to create the future are only the ones that I intend to do that. Where I'm, where I'm focusing and paying attention and actually thinking about that, for example, in my meditations or my prayers or my altar practice. But that's not what Pema Chodron is saying. And that's not what the warrior is saying. And that's not what the spirit world is trying to say to us. 
this isn't a gray area. What they are saying is every thought, every word, every post, every way you respond to a bumper sticker on another car, everything is you creating the future. And this is perhaps the essence of the message from the warrior. Accept what is going on here and step up. Every single one of us can step up more fully from wherever it is that we are in this moment. So, Because what we are choosing to do matters. What we choose not to do also matters. Especially when the non-action we've chosen through non-choosing is actually beneath us. When it is an abandonment of our promise and our potential in the uniqueness and diversity of who we are. If you want to live a life of meaning and purpose from your heart, you must imagine that world in the future and take personal actions each day, all day, to manifest that. In other words, you need to, the steps begin right here, right now, from wherever it is that you are. You don't need to go get another training. You don't need to wait until you're done healing. You don't even need to wait until that chronic illness you have is cured. It's all happening right here, right now. So in the United States, which I realize is not the entire world, in the United States today is election day. If you happen to be listening on November 8th, when this show is running live, vote. (laughs) So we began uh, this series in the context of this election here in the United States. But it's not the only, as I said, it's not the only place where we're watching a profound failure in the leadership Uh, primarily of the Western world and those who have sort of taken on the ideals of the Western world. And so we began this little journey here on Why Shamanism Now with the leader who pointed out the relationship between this apparent shortage of good leaders in the governments, in various governments around the world, and a world populace engaged in fantasy thinking about their leaders. Um, people who are projecting leadership onto the leaders largely because they have a profound lack of experience stepping up to little micro leaderships in their own life. Um, And actually there is no leadership that is micro leadership. Leadership is hard. And yet we can't presume to engage as an informed citizen in voting for a leader for our nation, for example, or our state or county or whatever, province, whatever, if we don't understand leadership from our own experience. So that's what the leader said. And then the warrior, uh, sorry, then the visionary pointed out that the responsibility for the vision, for where we are going as humanity here on the earth, is also being projected out onto the world leaders so that then we can you know, throw tomatoes at them and be mad at them because they're not taking us towards the vision, which frankly, it's not their job to take us to, it's ours. Every single one of us, every day. It's our responsibility for manifesting the world that we choose to live in. And then the healer asked us point blank 
Do you have the courage to use your shamanic skills to turn the trauma of this time, and in particular here in the United States, this election, do you have the courage to turn this into the medicine that is needed? And that's what last week's show was about. So this week I journeyed to the warrior. And I have to admit, I wasn't prepared for the answer. And I've been in a, actually, to be honest, somewhat struggling with it since, since I received the answer. Because there are very few times in my life that I've had this experience with spirit. It happens. I mean, I, I get it. It happens. But it's very rare. And these are moments when I feel this overwhelming disgust and disappointment of the spirit world in humanity. And the first time I experienced this was actually when the towers fell in Manhattan uh, directly. I'm not saying this is the first time the spirit world felt this, <laughs> for lack of a better word. But it's the first time I was conscious of experiencing it directly, directly related to the actions of humanity. And so the warrior simply said, this time, not just in America, on the planet, this time is a profound failure to be humane. And the warrior continued, you are all here to express your humanity as a blessing. That is why you are here, not to choose whatever you want, not just to learn, not just to heal, not all these new age ideas of how you can be here however you want because it's all just you learning or healing or teaching or offering healing. No. You are here to express your humanity as a blessing, not to deny your humanity and just be a spiritual person but to express your embodied, full-on humanity as a blessing. You are here to offer yourself, your entire self, into the service of all life. Not specific life, not this chosen group or that chosen group, not the pink people or the purple people, not only the people that think like you. All life, no exceptions. This is not a gray area. That, that was me. <laughs> the rest was the warrior. So we have to remember when we receive a, a message like this from spirit, we need to remember that spirit sees us, every single one of us, as humanity. One big, currently unhappy, shadowy family that exists evolving from the first people. Now, while I personally, as just Christina, feel pretty good standing, in good standing with my helping spirits, and I feel that my life has value and that I'm being useful in the world, and my heart feels pretty good about what I do every day, I really had to take a moment and recognize I am part of humanity, and right now, humanity's kind of sucking. <laughs> so <laughs> I had to take a minute and make amends and to agree that I can step up and that I have to step up and to move, be, to, to be able to move with spirit beyond this profound disappointment in humanity at this time. 
And as I did this in the journey with spirit, um, it became clear that the disgust is in the place where we aren't taking action. In other words, it's not so much about the loud mouths and the fundamentalists who are out there with whatever their thing is that they're kind of puking into the world, right? We, that's how fundamentalists are. We've always had fundamentalist thinking. doesn't matter what the thinking is. Once it's fundamentalist, it gains a kind of um, exclusionary toxicity. But I began to realize that what the warrior was really tuning in on is the fifth, what I call the 50%. So the way I see people, humanity in general, is there's the 25% that are here and they're really getting it. And they're pretty self-motivated and they're doing, they really are doing a good job trying to do their thing in the world. Um, and, and specifically, they are constantly pushing their comfort zone growing, evolving, changing, moving, regrouping, nourishing, stabilizing, and then pushing that comfort zone again, right? And then there's the other 25% on the other end who aren't going to change a damn thing in this life. And it's the people stuck in their fundamentalist thinking, etc. that kind of thing. But what I really saw that eagle eye of the warrior pointing at, seeing, was that big belly in the middle, that big 50%. And it was that, this place where we're not really taking action. We're spending too much time doing things that at best have little positive effect on the world. But they make us feel like we're working so hard, right? Or at worst, we're doing things that contribute to the very fields of human activity, as in like field theory, Um that, that reinforce the worst humanity has to offer. So in other words, every time I say, how could you possibly think that you're so stupid? You know, I'm contributing to the field of bullying. I'm contributing to the field that creates victims. I'm contributing to the field that says, yes, it's okay to misuse your power every single time. And so that's really what the warrior was looking at is that big belly in the middle, the 50%. And so the, this is the place for each of us in our life, our own big belly, right, where we allow our fear to stop us again and again and allow fear to be an excuse. Fear is never an excuse. I mean, other than walking into a car, you know, fear isn't an excuse, maybe an explanation for why you're not doing it in this moment. But once you're conscious of that, it is not a valid explanation for stopping you in the next moment. Once you've named the why you're not doing it, particularly if you have shamanic skills, you are now responsible and need to be accountable for changing that why so that you can do it. So warrior is not at all giving you a pass because you're afraid. And so it's these actions that we keep not doing because we're afraid. There's also these actions where we are in denial of the facts and, the, and engaging in these feelings that are old feelings coming out of the past, but nonetheless, they allow us to ra rationalize our continued non-action or our continuing in actions that have already proved to not be fruitful. 
Another thing the warrior was highlighting in the big belly of action and non-action where everybody is kind of spinning their wheels was these arguments in our head that tell us we are powerless because something that happened in the past said we were powerless when clearly we did live through it because we're here today to keep reusing it as an excuse to not take the actions that we need to take in the world. Are those unresolved issues the root of the illness, whether mental, physical, or whatever that you feel in your life? Sure. Are they an excuse to not take right action in the world? Absolutely not. That's what the warrior is saying. And there's no gray area. That's what the warrior is saying. So back to the big belly. The warrior is also talking about this fantasy thinking that leads us to actions that have no traction in the world and thus maintain the problem. They make us feel that we're working oh so very hard and being oh so very progressive and so enlightened. But in truth, we've taken – we've made a choice that's going to mean now we don't have to do anything. Nothing's going to change. That we are not really embracing the reality, the current reality. And this was – I can't remember which show it was, which archetype told us this, but probably the visionary was talking really clearly about the vision is beautiful, but you can't make choices in the vision. You have to make choices in reality to get to the vision. And that reality, assuming you're making uh, warrior-like choices, will move current reality towards the vision. So what's happening is that uh, there's this kind of fantasy thinking that leads to actions that have no traction. They actually maintain the problem, but a person kind of denies that and allows all of that action we're taking you know towards manifesting this new future to tell ourselves that we're part of the solution when in reality the very way we're doing it is maintaining the problem okay so sidebar here this is me this is not me talking for the warrior but personally this is the point that i have been trying to make by bothering to do all of these summits and My point is that I believe that we are in a particular wave of shamanism, if you will, where it is time to apply our shamanic skills and our shamanic rituals and ceremonies and processes to our everyday life and begin to use them to change the world, to move towards this more beautiful world our heart knows is possible. Right, and start to connect with the many people who are doing the good work to move us there. You know, the first wave of shamanism was really the Western world waking up to the possibility that shamanism was something other than insanity, to grossly oversimplify the issue. Right? And and thank you, Michael Harner, for helping us to to really fully embody that first wave where people learned again to connect with their helping spirits in a reasonable and and repeatable rational way that allowed them to gain information from spirit and there was a bit of an oh my god phase in phase one where people went oh my god i do have a helping spirit oh my god my answers are really useful oh my god i can be helpful to someone else and and it's it's absolutely necessary step back to the idea of taking action in the reality that you're in. And then there was kind of phase two where people were coming in or wave two of shamanism where people are starting to come in to shamanic awareness in their own life without so much doubt. 
You know, they're coming in assuming they have a helping spirit, assuming the practices will work, assuming that it can have a positive effect on their life, and beginning to reach out into other cultures around the world who still had vital and alive shamanic practices to engage and to be taught, to learn. And now in wave three, for me, my perspective is it's time to shit and now get off the pot and actually use what we have been learning. Co-create, not just with spirit, but with other human beings who are also co-creating with spirit. This path forward towards a humane world where humanity is a blessing, not a blight in the web of life. And honestly, if we stayed in wave one, we needed wave one. But if we only stayed there, we would not get where we need to go. And and I was a part of wave two. So I'm not saying wave two was bad. It is necessary. They both were necessary. But they are not sufficient. And so in this regard, I completely agree with this message from the warrior. What is going on in the world right now, um, in North Dakota, in different countries around the world, in all of these, in the Pacific Ocean, all over, the effect of humanity is a blight on the web of life, and we don't need to keep doing that. We can all step up and change this. I don't know what it's going to look like. I don't have any idea. It isn't going to look like it did in the past, but we can do a better job. If we're all going to go down, let's go down with our helping spirits proud of us for bringing our true and full beauty of our humanity into manifestation on this world as a blessing in the web of life. So back to the warrior. What was the warrior saying? Okay, so key in this understanding of what the warrior is saying is understanding the distinction between the important and valid use of your imagination and fantasy thinking. Now, for people that have only developed their mental body, it is very hard for them to parse out the distinction between active and vital, necessary imagination and fantasy thinking. In fact, many would argue purely from a mental standpoint, there is no difference. You know, go argue to somebody else. I don't care. (laughs) Because my understanding that has been shown again and again and again through many facets, not just shamanism, is that humanity is more than your mind. You are not your mind, right? Your mind is a tool. Sharpen it. Learn to use it. It's a valid tool, but you are not your mind. So if we begin to bring in the wisdom of the heart, we bring in the wisdom of the body, we bring in the wisdom of our spirit life and our you know purely energy life, if we bring in those four wisdoms, three wisdoms and bring the four complements of the wisdom bodies together in a human being, check the archives, lots of shows on this, then we see there's a profound distinction between imagination and fantasy thinking. So for example, traditional use of imagination is the contemplations and focus in the mind while you are doing qigong. And, and probably the same is also true with yoga, although I'm not a deep yoga practitioner, so I don't know that for sure. But I can say for sure in um, Qigong, in Tai Chi, in these Asian forms, 
that visualizing what is happening with the energy in your imagination is as important as the moves themselves and how the 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 mind being on track with the body moves the chi in a particular way so it's a good example i think of where your active imagination is necessary or the movements tend to just be sort of calisthenics they don't shift over into that way in which these activities nurture and cultivate the chi. So, for example, when I go swimming in the morning, which is critically important for my health and well-being, I'm not cultivating chi. I'm spending energy. I'm working out. I'm sweating. If I wasn't in the pool, I'd be sweating, right? It's not the same thing. It's, activ- it's physical activity. It's important. It is not cultivating chi. So this is my, okay, so fantasy thinking and imagination. Okay, so fantasy thinking would be now that I can visualize my microcosmic orbit of chi, I don't need to do the qigong anymore. I can just imagine it once in a while and I'm cultivating. No matter how I behave in my life, I can just imagine the microcosmic orbit once in a while and I'm good. This idea that that I'm a special human being and I don't actually need to surrender myself to the principles human beings have needed to surrender themselves to for thousands of years, for their entire time here on the planet, is that the nature of being in a physical body requires action in the physical world. And that it's, it's profound fantasy thinking to think you are so special at this time on the planet that you do not need to take action in the world, that you can just think it. And it'll all be good. And so that's fantasy thinking. And so fantasy thinking is this piece that comes in, I think, often in people's shamanism that I've been calling on the show, if you've been listening, magical shamanism, where where we're not really engaged in looking deeply at the effect of our shamanic work. We're just trusting that it's doing something and not really tuning in deeply to work with our helping spirits after we've done something to say. So how effective was that? And did that actually accomplish what we were looking for? And if it didn't, why didn't it? How can we learn from that? I mean, again, for those of us like myself who are not coming out of a shamanic tradition, we're not even one generation old. We don't know anything, right? So the fact that we're not in this audit and evaluate and look at how effective it was, change it if it wasn't effective, all of that kind of thinking around our shamanic work is the fantasy thinking that I'm talking about. Because it's not helping us engage in our shamanic practice in a way that we understand what is uniquely needed in this time for these issues. If we just mindlessly repeat rituals from other cultures, which is a problem in the first place because of appropriation, but if we don't get sidetracked by that today, if we just mindly, mindlessly repeat shamanic rituals and ceremonies from other cultures and other times without ever asking, is this doing what we're asking it to do? Is this sufficient? We're, we're not doing the best we could do. We are not using the fact that we are humans and can innovate we're not, we're not bringing that part of our brilliance to bear on the actions that we're taking. And that's the, the ability to imagine my time has unique illnesses in it. Not all unique. We have all the same illnesses humanity has always had, like racism, like sexism, deep 
deep, deep illnesses around the globe, definitely here in America, right? So the same old, same old illnesses. But what is unique about our time, not only in the illnesses we need to rise up to, to be the medicine for, but in our capacity as human beings to rise up to it. This is what the warrior is saying. Step up. You are abandoning your humanity. Step into it. We're not asking you to be the spirit world. They're not asking us to be anything other than truly human. The goodness of the human heart. And to bring the unique power of the human heart to bear on the world in our time. This is all we are ever being asked to do. And the warrior is asking us to step up to that, to be more humane, to use your shamanic skills, to more fully embody in your heart, in your physical life, your humanity. And through your actions, make the world, the humanity piece, more humane for everyone. Now. <laughs> it's just, ah, uh, okay. So this is the piece I see from what the warrior is saying, where we have the most room, let's say, to step up, is understanding the distinction between my fantasy thinking and the way I use that to avoid taking actions that are uncomfortable, that make me stick my neck out and be seen, that are challenging and will create conflict, but that ultimately that is exactly the conflict that needs to be created so that we can sit in that fire and transform. There will be things that need to die, like the phoenix. We have no choice but to be better humans to the best of our ability and to engage with our brothers and sisters in this web of life and to understand that distinction between the fantasy thinking we use to avoid doing the hard things and actually working with our imagination to maintain our sense of well-being, that this is the action I can take in this day and I am not losing faith because I know this action is doing the best to move me towards this larger vision. Okay. So, the important thing in our shamanic work is that we begin to become more clear, more mature, more discerning, and more accurate about understanding what is yours to do as the human in the relationship and what is your spirit help's job to do. And that line in a lot of people's shamanic lives is very fuzzy. And it is because of that, that that sort of big belly of the 50% of the action that's not really paying off is happening. It's because you do not understand clearly what is yours to do and what is your helping spirits to do and how the two of you can best work together to manifest transformation in our world. Okay, so the warrior said, first message, I mean, first step 
path forward message from the warrior is everybody take one step up from wherever you are whatever your field of engagement is take the next step this requires that you discern your field of engagement accurately and that you discern the actions you are actually taking right now accurately okay because that's helping you to understand your current reality okay so that's kind of step one then use your imagination your true imagination about what is the future that you want to be creating what has meaning and purpose for you so what future do you want to be creating moment by moment because remember as Pema said, moment by moment, we are creating this future in every moment, moment by moment. And then step three finally is to ask yourself, potentially with the help of your helping spirits, what is the next step into my humanity from where I am living today? What does it mean for me, given where I am in this moment, to take the next step up and to take it? Okay, anyway. So take the next step up. So first is discerning what that actually is. Okay, so let's say you know nothing about shamanism. You're just kind of listening to the podcast because you like the fact that I lose my shit once in a while and you think I'm funny. But basically you have no shamanic skills yet. I'm not quite sure the last time I did a radio show where I actually said this, but come on, people, learn to journey. <laughs> Jeez. Adults need a working relationship with spirit to even begin to deal with the challenges of adult life in today's world. And this is what the indigenous people have to have to offer us is all of this beautiful technology for the practices a human being needs to engage with to reliably and repeatedly and reasonably Connect with spirit in a rational way that allows you to gain answers that you can apply to your life versus just hoping and praying and having a big dream once in a while. I mean, it's wonderful to have that. I'm not complaining. But in terms of one step up from not knowing how to journey and connect with spirit reliably whenever you need help, learn to journey. Take that step. All right, I'm going to get off that soapbox now. Okay. So recently... Uh, I was teaching last weekend, and one of my actually longtime students asked me, so what do you really mean by working relationship with spirit? <laughs> well, that was pretty funny. It was also really early, and I hadn't had my coffee yet. But what I mean by a working relationship with spirit is in the first place, it is not passive. I believe that many people try to solve the needs of their spiritual life by engaging in some sort of religious pursuit that involves passively sitting with people like you, listening to words you already know, reinforcing beliefs you already have, and then hoping and praying that things work out okay. And largely passing the responsibility for that over onto God by whatever name you call God. That's not a working relationship with spirit. It's a starting place, but it's extremely passive. And so what I mean by working relationship is you can still have your religious life. I don't really care about that part. What I care about in terms of a working relationship with spirit is that you have a reliable practice, not a randomness, but a practice 
that allows you to connect with energies that have proven to you over time that they are compassionate helping spirits and they are here to assist you in being a better human and creating a better life for your family and for your community, for your country, for your world, right? That, that these helping spirits assist you in becoming a global person to take your actions locally and in your current reality, but to be a bigger person and to understand that you are, for example, raising your children in such a way that they will dream of a better world than the one they were born into and will be empowered to make bring that world into manifestation. So to me, that's the kind of spirit that you want to be in good relationship with and have a practice that allows you to connect with that kind of helping spirit. And Lord knows you really only need one. Most of you will have more than one, but you only need one that can help you understand how do you meet the challenges of your time and how do you bring your own uniqueness out into that time in a way that is good for all living things. That is a constant ongoing problem. It's the reason that we're alive and it's ecstatic and wonderful, but it's an ongoing problem. You need constant ongoing help for that. You can't just be calling on psychics or asking somebody else to figure that out for you. You need a way to be working on that all the time, right? That's why I say a working relationship with spirit, meaning you have a way to get assistance, it's a long time you're going to be alive, hopefully. You're going to have a lot of questions. You need to know who you can go to to do that. And then within that, that needs to be held in a larger understanding than most people's current contemporary understanding of why you are here, what is really going on here in the world. And that, that sort of bigger sense or cosmology. Where did we come from? Why are we here? What are we doing here? How do we do it better? Who's here helping me? All of these questions, which is a great deal of the beauty that many of us travel to indigenous cultures to go re-engage with because our contemporary culture here in the United States has failed us so miserably in that regard to hand us a viable cosmology that helps us to actually deal with the challenges of our time. And so that would be the fourth part of a working relationship with spirit is when the shit hits the fan, which it does in life repeatedly, you are able to respond. You're able to recover, to respond, and not just be suicidal. Okay, so moving along. So working relationship with spirit. So let's say you're listening to me and you're going, oh, great. She's asking me to take one step up. I'm a single mom. I have three children. They're all in grade school. I have a job, but of course, because I'm a woman in America, I'm only making two-thirds of what my male counterparts are making, so money is tight. And I already have to run around carting kids to these events and taking them to their play dates. And I need to be present to support them. And I have to shop and I have to feed them. And the list is endless and it never actually gets done. And you're asking me to take a step up. So now I've got one more thing to do. And I have to get up and do all of that again tomorrow, right? Because I'm the mom and I'm a single parent or I'm the dad and I'm the single parent, whatever it is. But my point, you get my point. Okay. So the warrior is saying to us, though, there's no gray area, that every single one of us has the capacity to take one step up if we correctly determine our field of engagement. In other words, where in your life are you currently engaged? So define your field of engagement. 
What is the one thing that you could do in that field of engagement that would allow you to step up in your efforts to manifest that better future, where that more humane future that supports all life? If you are this single parent, stressed and frustrated and trying to raise kids in a good way, that's your field of engagement. It's not about you adding anything to your list. It's about you noticing every moment of your parenting and just asking yourself to bring just a bit more to that parenting so that your kids are humane, that they grow up with the values that will create a more humane and brighter future. And I'm not saying you're doing a bad job. The warrior is saying is to understand this right here is a potent field of engagement. Is bringing just a bit more, even though you're exhausted and tired, to that parenting. Raise your children to dream a different dream. And the world will thank you. So... So let's say that you are not a single parent, that your kids are grown up, they've gone off, they're having their own kids, and that you are already taking strong action in the world. What actions would you need to take within yourself to step up? Again, no gray area with the warrior, right? So what do you need to do to step up in your world when you think you're already doing it? What do you need to do to be able to inspire greater humanity in others? And the warrior said, look into four areas. The first is to transform your capacity for vision. Your capacity for vision. And the warrior said, where we need to look at this time is in discernment. And I've actually already been talking about that so far in the show. That ability to discern the distinction between what is yours to do, what is spirits to do. Where's your field of engagement? What are you really doing in current reality? All of these things. Vision. Second thing the warrior says is to transform your level of wisdom. And not necessarily knowledge or new skills or new anything, but your inner wisdom by facing the next layer of your fears, whatever they might be. We all have them. What would you need to do as, as this person who feels already you've got a pretty strong stance in the world? What would you need to do to step up by choosing intentionally to face the next layer of your fears that you would gain through those actions greater wisdom to bring to the world? The warrior says number three is to transform your power. Uh, so that you are able to engage that power in the world and use it responsibly. That you are able to use that power to embrace the other in the outer world, but also in the inner world. And to embrace what it is you think you do not love. That which you feel is not embraceable. And to help things to move towards this better future for all life. And this is a tricky one that very few people actually have enough emotional maturity to do. But there was a beautiful point here in what the warrior has to say, which is where there is no movement and those you embrace refuse to engage with you, 
and transform with you and move towards a shared future with you to gracefully step away and to do so in a way that you simply step away and engage someone in something else and that there is no denigration or name-calling or putting down or pushing away of that other that was not wanting to transform with you at this time. Because we need to be careful about making ourselves available to Wetiko, to the virus that creates in the most righteous and the most certain uh, a rich and vital place for the Wetiko virus to settle in. And for those of you that don't know what I'm talking about, Listen to the shows about Watika or go read Paul Levy's books. Okay. And finally, the warrior says for us that we can transform our capacity for love. And in particular, to look at your life and look, focus in on the places where you are not willing to do what it takes. Many of us get great information from spirit and we simply don't act on it. We're not willing to do what it takes to create that bright future. And what I sense the warrior is saying to us all now is we are all there. We are all humanity. All of us are at this place where the only way forward is for all of us to step into our discomfort zone and do what it takes. There is no comfortable way to where it is that we need to go together as humanity. Okay. And the warrior offered uh, step two, which is understand more deeply and more accurately the actions that you are taking. And I actually think I already kind of went off on a tangent about this in the show, but it speaks to ex- understanding your actions literally. So voting, for example. So A vote in the United States selects the president. The president's job is to run the country. I don't run the country. I'm just a person. I vote for the person who's going to run the country. If I want to change the system that selects that person, I don't cast a protest vote. I don't vote for someone who is not prepared to serve as president and run the country. I take action to change the system because that's my job. As a citizen of whatever country we live in, it's our job to engage in changing the system. But the president's job, at least in the United States, is to run the country and to run the country's relationship with other countries. So we need to understand that it's not their job to change things. It's our job to change things. So it's that, that's what the warrior is talking about, about being more deeply and more accurately clear about your actions. Take them accept the reality around them and take them and move on. If you don't like the reality, take actions to change the reality. So with that said, the warrior had a lot of other things to say, but the final thing the warrior said about action is to take, learn to take action in your physical reality, to take action in your emotional reality. And that is going to require that people step up and grow up. We need to become people who stop reacting and learn to respond. Uh, taking, and we need to take action in our spiritual reality. 
to learn to live in ways that allow your spirit to be present in your life and honor the spirit of life in all living things equally and to act from that place. And then finally, to take action in your mental reality and to clean clean that scary place up and (laughs) to be able to begin to see the world differently. And, 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 the, and the point, the warrior came back to the point for all of us, even those of us who think we've got a good grasp on things, to keep pushing ourselves to grow, to learn, to evolve that mental space, to simplify and to see things in, in a more and more accurate way. And the last step from the warrior was simply and directly It is time for those of you that have shamanic skills to actively embrace the teachings of the four elements or five elements if you're in a five element shamanic system to learn from the elements how to be a better human, to take your step up, to regroup and to take the next step. So I give gratitude to the warrior, to the teacher, teacher leader to the visionary, to the healer, for without your presence in my life, I would have nothing to say on these shows. I give thanks to the ancestors for holding me and holding you all. I give gratitude to the earth below, to the sky above, and to the heart that unites us all. May you have a good week considering how you will now step up. Thank you, everyone.